This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey it's the No Near Never podcast. Good evening, welcome to tonight's podcast. Burnley top of the league at Christmas, the big news after a poor weekend. Guests this evening are Ian Creamer, Nathan Rogers, Chris Borden and James Burke. Chris, welcome Chris Borden from the Burnley Express. Can you make a Burnley performance at the weekend? Deserve victory? I thought overall, yeah. Obviously, uh, started really well, got a goal. Fancy that had uh, set them on their way, really. I thought Blackpool would come and keep things uh, relatively tight. Not sure that much ambition, but uh, would say pulled one back from a from a corner themselves. They could have gone on and uh, you know maybe taken the lead at half time themselves. But second half, there was only one uh, one winner once uh, once Scott Hoffield scored that uh, that fabulous goal. It was an excellent goal, wasn't it? That's the um, second home game in a row that one of the wingers has come up with a, a really, really good winning goal. But it's, it's maybe a little bit of concern over needing to rely on something special like that. We didn't create many clear chances, did we, really, on Saturday? I thought, I mean, if, if you look back, I mean, Sam Vokes has had a really good, uh, good effort from a, a dummy from Michael Kitely that maybe could have sort of advanced and... Uh, and had an even clearer opportunity with, but you know, forced a good save. So Dean Marnie at the death. I mean, the game's pretty much uh, done and dusted by them. But uh, I mean, first half probably not not uh, not, not that many clear opportunities. He's pulled one uh, one past the far post and uh, forced a save with a good header. But uh, I don't know. I think there's, I think for, against the side like Blackpool, you know, don't uh, you know don't tend to give that much away. I hope they created sufficient. Blackpool manager Paul Ince had some strange comments after the game, didn't he, about Burnley's apparent use of the long ball? What did you make of what Paul Ince had to say after the game? I mean, take, taking that in isolation, which a lot of people have done, it you know, it's it's a bit insulting. But uh, I, mean, I thought it was quite fair um, in his overall reading of the game. If you can uh, access those quotes or his interview somewhere, but. I thought Burnley. I mean, from time to time, you know, there are quite a few sort of diagonals into Sam Vogts, which is great. You know, if, as long as you know there's a purpose to it, it's not aimless. There's nothing, uh, nothing wrong with it. But you know, we've all seen the little you know link ups with uh, with Vogts innings. You know, step overs from uh, from Kitely. You know, intricate passing. I mean, the the Arfield goal. It's not just a glorious goal. It's a fantastic passing move, patience, and uh, you know the finish at the end of it. Fantastic passing move, patience, and uh, you know. The... But, um, when you've got an asset like Sam Bolts, it makes sense to use him anyway. So obviously we're going to hit the ball early, occasionally. But I'm, I thought Inter's comments were a bit, a little bit unusual. Myself, we're clearly not a long ball team. Um, Ian Creamer, first time on the podcast for you. Welcome to the show. What did you make of Burnley at the weekend? I thought they were great, actually. It, I have to say, I think it was one of the best games I've seen for a while. In, in fairness, I haven't seen a lot this season. I, probably Derby was uh, was a good game to go to, but I just thought it was really good end-to-end stuff and uh, lots of attacking intent from, from both teams, really. I thought um, 
for a while there, I was getting really worried. I thought Blackpool were were really kind of passing through us. They were going from from back to front really quickly, and we didn't seem to be able to stop them. Um, but it, I felt like in the second about, half. And, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go on. I thought you'd stopped. <laughs> but in the uh, in the second half, I think they seemed to to get a grip of uh, you know Marnie and John seemed to get a grip of them, and um, I thought we could have gone on and uh, given them a bit of a hammering. Really, to be honest with you, with the second half performance, I thought it was really good. End of the first half, I thought a draw seemed about right, but by the end of the game, yeah, I thought we were completely in control and uh, we looked pretty solid and um, you know plenty of flair. So excited by it. One of the things for me is that when we that's the last few minutes he's getting quite confident with the team at the moment, which is unusual for Burnley. I'm still getting used to that. Nathan Rogers, um, yeah. what did you think of Burnley's performance at the weekend? Uh, I agree with both the lads that spoke, really. It was, a, it was quite a good performance from us. I thought, I thought at times Marnie and Jones were a bit out-muscled by their midfield at some points. Um, after they got their, the equaliser, they just kind of hammered us and just kind of battled it you know, very well in midfield. But, you know, I think the the right winners came out on top with, you know, we just had extra extra phases of play that we just took out, you know, we we used to our advantage and, you know, overpowered them at times. So very pleased with that performance. And the first goal of course came from a repeat of the old corner routine, the the low cross across the box and a low finish. Um, we've been talking, I think, last week on the podcast about set pieces and how they hadn't been very good. Good to see that we went back to a winning formula. Um, Chris, was that something that you were aware they'd been working on? It, it seemed a bit surprised that that we gave up on it a little bit, but we brought it back to good effect at the weekend. Yeah, I mentioned it with, uh, with the manager after the, after the game, and he, he basically said that he, he gives the players the responsibility. I mean, they've obviously got a you know, a, a long list of, of, of variations and uh, just to go out and, and do what feels right, you know, when, when they feel like it. They've obviously, uh, it's been in a bit, bit of cold storage and uh, you can't wheel it out too often, but we haven't seen it anywhere near enough, I think. You know, it, it's, it's, it's caught out teams so many times. And uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's the other one that, they, you know, there's a bit of a, a back heel uh, corner routine with Danny Ings involved. I think Michael Kiteley's uh, taking that on with him as well. That's effective, but uh, I mean the, the the rest of the time we're not uh, we're not looking like uh, scoring from uh, from corner kicks. You know, just floating uh, stuff on, in, into the penalty spot area and uh, and hoping to get someone's head on it. It's unusual, really, that isn't it? Because Shackle and Duff are so dominant in the air defensively, but. They don't seem to be a, a real attacking threat. I'm um, just going back to that corner routine. I remember, I think it was Middlesbrough away last season. I was like, I was with someone who's not a Burnley fan, and I was like, explaining that we do this corner routine when we got the first corner, explained exactly what we were going to do, and then did it. I predicted the future, but unfortunately, it doesn't work with lottery tickets. <laughs> James Bird, if we can come back to you on um, on Blackpool, what did you make of Tom Ince's performance? He was their main threat, really, but we defended against him quite well, didn't we? Uh, yeah, I think for the most part, Ben Mee kept him kept him quiet. Um, I thought Blackpool were probably the best side we've seen come to the turf this season, though. Um, at least in the first half, obviously, I think they, they tapered off after half time. Um, but Tom Ince was definitely uh, the most threatening person on the park. I think first half. It's his pace, isn't it? When you've got an extreme pace like like Tom Ince, it's always the case that he's going to be a real asset. Um, Blackpool were without a few players, so I suppose we should really mention that. But I think Burnley were pretty much in control most of the game and certainly deserved to, to win the match. And of course, that took us to the top of the table. Um, Nathan, obviously, if we hadn't won on Saturday, we could have been as low as fourth, I think. So it was really important for us to get that win on the board and go into the Christmas period on top. What do you think our chances of, of sticking up there for the rest of the season are now? Um, I mean, there's two sides. I mean, there's a lot of fans that think, yeah, we'll go on and beat every single team and, you know, we'll dominate. But there's this, you know, realistic side of it that thinks it's going to be a long, hard slog now for the end of the season. Um, you know, 21 games, you know, we're top of the league after that. That's not luck anymore. I don't think that's genuine, you know, promotion form. But, you know, we need. I, I think we need to 
you know, build our squad a bit more. I don't think we've got enough numbers to cover the high demands of championship football and to be the very best. You know, we need to have a bigger squad, I think. So. They were obviously trying to get someone in before the loan window closed. We had um, Chris's colleague Dan on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and was talking about some of the strikers we were linked with and finances and various other things just, just meant that we couldn't get those over the line. Yeah. Um, Ian, to come back to you on the, on the promotion point, how pleased are you to see Burnley still up there at the top of the league after the little wobble that we had recently to get back to winning ways and we're now four unbeaten again, so on another good little run? It, I mean, it's great, isn't it? Um, it's uh, uh, It's been a while since we've seen any kind of consistency, I guess, but from the team, you know, obvious seasons. But um, I, I guess I'm just a, a cynical, typically cynical Burnley, Burnley fan because, you know, I've been, I've been watching them, I think 73 was my first game, which kind of gives you an idea of how old I am. But, um, Showing your age, that, Larry. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, I noticed the comment today about the uh, Burnley and QPR being promoted in '73, and that uh, that was the first season I went to watch them. So hopefully history can be repeated. But yeah, I mean, I keep expecting the slip up. I just keep keep expecting something to go wrong. I keep expecting you know things to get a bad knock or money to get a knock or something. And but we just keep hanging in there, and um, it's great to watch that uh, that consistency, that team spirit, and. You know, forgive me if I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself here, but I think what was really good that I noticed on Saturday was there was a sense that the crowd were really kind of hearing what Dash was saying and really trying to get behind the team. You know, if they got if things slipped a little bit, I think people there was a definite response to those comments from Dash. I felt, and I just thought the atmosphere was a bit better there. And you know, if that can continue and people can stay fit, then why not? It's going to be great. There's been a, a lot of chat at the, the crowd recently, especially on the podcast we contributed to that and we published a, a number of articles actually calling for better support from the fans. So good to see that there was a reaction. Um, but yeah, you right, probably watched Sean Dyche's comments there rather than the articles we've been putting <laughs> on the site. <laughs> I'm not sure everyone responded to Thomas Pickles' excellent war cry, but yeah, well worth it. Chris, if we can go back to you, what's the what's the the mood like within the the playing squad and Sean Dyche himself now? Is the confidence that we can go on and make one of those top two automatic spots our own, or is it still take one game as it comes? It's never really changed. To be first from, from day one, the the uh, you know you expect that from a manager to to you know keep sort of a, a level uh, level head and keep everyone on you know everyone's feet on the ground sort of thing, but. Uh, the players have bought into that as well. They're not sort of, oh, look at who we've got in a month's time, or look at you know that FA Cup tie around the corner. They, you know, you, you can't get them to sort of move away from the uh, the, the, the upcoming game. And uh, you know, nobody's mentioning sort of playoffs, promotion, anything like that. You know, we can do this, we can do that. It's simply we will continue doing what we're doing, on the hard work. You know, take care of ourselves, and you know. Never mind what anyone else does. If we carry on doing what we're good at, you know, we'll, we'll you know, fingers crossed, we'll be in and around it. You had a stat on Twitter the other day. I think it was. You said um, fans were complaining only a few weeks ago that we hadn't beaten anyone good yet, but now the table's starting to take shape a little bit. We've beaten pretty much everyone up there at the top, apart from Leicester. We obviously drew with last weekend. So again, really, really positive signs that we are. Going to be competitive for the whole season. Um, James, top at Christmas then. Obviously a huge boost and, and the stats we did on the show last week proved that the team that is top normally goes on to be promoted eight times out of the last ten years. The team that's been top has gone up six times to champions. Um, what do you make of Burnley's chances for the rest of the season now then? I think you've got a fanciest to go up. I think it's, uh, it's the last five years straight whoever's top at Christmas has, has gone up. Um I mean, it'd be very disappointing. I think if we if we weren't well in the chase uh, come May from from this sort of strong position, um, the table shaping up as well. You can see the sort of a clear group of teams that are uh, really in the mix. And uh, I mean, there's some small squads up there as well. I think Leicester haven't got a huge squad, so they've got a bigger squad than us. But they like to keep it, I think, quite small with the number of players they use. So I don't really think a small squad's an issue, to be honest, for us. And I think if we Keep playing the way we have done, you know, particularly like performances against uh, Leicester away, Millwall away, where we've gone behind and uh, and you know got a well well earned draw. Um, I think we'll definitely be in the mix. It's um, 
obviously outstanding to be top of the league at this stage, at this stage. But it is an unusual year in a way that the other teams seem to be scoring quite heavily in terms of points as well. You'd normally expect with the number of points we have on the board after 20, 21 games, it would be a little bit further clear than we are. Um, but other teams have kept up the chase quite well. QPR and Leicester all have had a bit of a wobble. Um, Derby County seem to be the main chase at the moment. I think that was seven wins in a row that they've racked up at the weekend. Nathan, who out of the chasing pack do you think is going to be the most us now that we are, the, we are the, the team to beat in the Championship? Yeah, I think I'm going to say the obvious one here and say QPR. I mean, just the quality in that squad is, you know, I personally think it's a Premier League squad, <laughs> what they have there. Um, just what what they can do to teams on on a Saturday afternoon, you know, they could if they really wanted to, they could open a team up and demolish them four or five nil. But luckily for Burnley, they just haven't done this season. So, do you think there's anyone from a little bit further back that can make it a late charge? There's normally a team that comes from nowhere, really, isn't there? I mean, it was also not that long ago under Owen Coyle. Yeah, yeah. Um... I was trying to go through, trying to think of the league table. I mean, I've got a really bad feeling. I know I probably shouldn't mention this on a Burnley podcast, but I do think, you know, them lot down the road will start kicking in a bit of form. Um, I work with a lot of Blackburn fans and what they're telling me is they're actually starting to play a bit of decent football now. And, 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 and I mean, that would make a very tasty playoff final if <laughs> Burnley and Blackburn were to meet in the playoffs. But God, could you imagine 90,000 000- people? <laughs> heading down to Wembley they'd have to kick off at about, they'd have to kick off about 8 o'clock in the morning to <laughs> stop getting so drunk you know, looking at the table myself there's a, there's a few teams that I think could turn things around in the, the next few weeks there's um, Watford and Wigan who've got new managers and Middlesbrough as well you'd expect them to kick on a little bit Bolton I think are lower than you'd expect Rovers certainly in there as well it's actually really tight apart from the top four who've broken away you've got Leeds and Reading both on 34 and then nothing all the way down to, to Wigan in 12th, really. So very much, very tight. Um, Ian, you've been watching the Carrots for a little bit longer than most of us. I think you and Chris are probably the same sort of era. <laughs> is, there, is there a team that you can compare the current lot to? What do you think? And Jamie's disappeared. Woohoo. <laughs> um, so is there a team that you can compare us to from the era? What do you think about yeah, that? I would I'd say um yeah, it's it's uh, you know, different times, different uh, different leagues and so on, but you look at uh, some of the promotion winning sides when we were coming up from the uh, the old third division, I think you know, you could see those sides kind of just consistently beating teams, the you know that same kind of level of team spirit, I suppose. If you're looking at the teams that are people like Billy Hamilton and so on, I suppose early eighties, um, just me dipping back into history. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's you know it's difficult to compare across different divisions because the, the quality has moved on so much. I think, although I must admit, I used to have a ball um, back in the uh, back in the eighties, I suppose, and uh, when. Um, you know, we go away to, to clubs and, and, and take thousands, you know, more more away fans than would be home fans. Good good time to watch football, but it's very I think it's very difficult to to compare across the decades. It's a totally different sport now, really, isn't it? Oh, um, it is. But the, there's always an individual player, isn't there, that, that reminds you of someone from history. I, I was going to talk about Danny Ings just in a little while on the podcast. Is there anyone that Ings reminds you of? I've seen some really outrageous Links really with Danny Ains. Anyone that it reminds me of? Um, well, I suppose kind of just looking back in history, looking at you know, just in terms of sheer goal scoring power, you're looking at people like Pates, I suppose, Andy Payton, and so on. Um, a different different styles of players in some ways, but just that ability just to be in the right place at the right time. Um, and uh, I can, uh, you know, I think uh, Ings has certainly been a huge surprise for me. I have to say. Um, you know, I went up to the Bolton game just after Austin had gone, and um, you know, as I think I said in the uh, in the article that I wrote for No Name Never that time, that you know the balls were fizzing across the penalty box, and Vox and Ings were just watching them go by, and um, I wondered how the hell we were going to get any goals this season. But um, both of them have just been an incredible revelation for me. 
Absolutely, and that's a great point. Like no one expected Danny Ings really to be a goal scorer, the likes of of which we've seen in the past, players like Peyton and even Austin. Mm. But yeah, it's been um, absolutely outstanding to see the way Danny Ings has come on in the last um, few weeks. Really, I mean, in pre-season he was outstanding as well, and he's carried that form in. Um, Andy Devaney. I need to mention him again. Um, I think he's still recovering, so get well soon, Andy. But at the start of the season, we were doing our predictions for the the coming campaign, and he was insisted that Danny Ings was going to fall the season and Burnley were going to get promoted. And we all laughed because it sounded ridiculous, but Burnley is top of the league at Christmas, and Ings has got 17 for us and two for England. So he's almost halfway if we count the international goals, and we definitely do. Um, Chris, that. On the point of Ings, actually, there's been a, a few reports in the, the tabloids, really. I suppose it's inevitable whenever a player is doing as well as Ings is doing. Um, do you get the sense that he's quite settled at Burnley or is, yeah, is always, the club going to turn down anything that comes in anyway? I think we always, we always have had that, that impression. Uh, you know, he thoroughly enjoys uh, life, you know, not just at Burnley in the north of England, uh, just a really settled, sort of solid, down-to-earth lad. Uh, what we've seen so far, I mean, he's been linked with uh, with Celtic. Obviously, Neil Lennon was at Huddersfield. You know, we believe he's watching James Vaughan. You know, subsequently been impressed with uh, with Oliver Norwood as well, by all accounts. Uh, you know, there's reports that he sent Gary Parker to look at to look at Danny again. You know, whether whether Danny Ings is sort of would he even entertain. You know, going through what was a two-horse race, now a one-horse race, and uh, it's uh, the standard seems to be dipping somewhat. Uh, it's European football, Champions League football, maybe, but uh, you know, not the not the greatest destination, I'd suggest. Liverpool again. You know, we, I think we spoke to him in and around the under-21 uh, call-ups, just sort of talking hypothetically about uh, you know transfers in the future, and uh, you know, you're looking at. You know, not to not to sort of pick on Wilfred Zaha, but uh, you know, probably the best player in the Championship last season hasn't had a kick for United this time around. And uh, you know what? I always go back to John Bostock. People crying about uh, about Tottenham taking him from Palace all those years ago. And uh, it, you look at John Kofi. You know, probably had played two hundred games for Burnley by now, and now he's on loan at Alfreton. It just it, it there's so many examples. I, I don't think he's driven by money. Obviously, the lure of someone like Liverpool's, you know, incredibly difficult to turn down. But you've, you know, got one of the great centre forwards in the world. You know, Sturridge, who's you know the the top English goal scorer, and he hasn't played for two or three weeks in the Premier League. And uh, well, I just think it'd be uh, it'd probably be wasted. You know, going doing something like that at this point in time. Celtic in particular is a funny one, isn't it? They've taken players from lower league of English football players like Gary Hooper and they've scored tons and tons of goals and it's taken two or three years until they can get their move to the Premier League so it will be interesting to see the sort of teams that are interested in Ings in January and of course see if there are any offers and if the board stand by their pledge to, to keep hold of him um, Adam you wrote a piece for the site this week um, on Danny Ings and the, the speculation um, for anyone who hasn't had a chance to read that can you just sum up what your point was and um, explain why Danny Ings should be a Burnley player once the window's closed? Well, um, basically, I'd started noticing like the national media assuming that it'd go in in uh, January in the January window, and I, I thought about it and and looked at the board's kind of statement of intent, and then looked at their the last two players um, that we could have sold in January, Jay and Austin. Um, with Austin, they said they did the same as they have this year, um, saying that he wasn't for sale. And then they stuck to it until the summer where he got sold. And with Jay, they rejected a bid from Southampton, I believe. And they, uh, like another bid after the summer before, so summer 2011. Um, and that was kind of insinuating that he wasn't for sale. So I, I kind of said um, that the board should be trusted with that sort of statement of intent. I also said that... Um, Usually there's a, a kind of slight possibility that the board are going to backtrack and sell if a massive um, a massive bid comes in from a big club. Um, but this year even that is like lesser because if if Danny Ings gets sold, the potential of promotion goes down, I don't know how much, so much. Um, 
that and promotion is worth way more than any kind of fee for Danny Ings that would come in from a, a kind of silly bid um, would. Um, so even if it's like twenty five million, um, the like uh, for Danny Ings, um, promotion is worth like so much more than that. Um, so even then they'd be stupid to accept a kind of silly bid from a big club. So every kind of everything kind of points towards Danny Ings staying. Um, and I think um, there's a kind of lack of context um, that the the national media kind of um, you like have uh, when kind of assuming that, that Danny Ings is going to move on in January. I think that's that's Chris will probably have a, a good take on this, but this is people who come to the turf every now and again and don't see Burnley very often, and they're, they're after a, a news angle and. Our news angle at the moment is that we've got the best goal scorer outside the Premier League, so it's only natural for journalists to want to hook that in. Um, but you meant to make some points. Steve Kelly actually um, commented on the article, and I just want to bring in what he said. Um, he said, we've got about a one in three chance of promotion at the moment, according to the bookies, which means it's odds on we'll still be in the Championship next season, which is an interesting way to look at it, not a way I'd prefer to, but it was an interesting point. And he also said with the, the £25 million pound, um comment that you made firstly uh, I'm not convinced that we would turn down £25 million for Danny Ings if we were offered it I think that would be a short conversation in the boardroom but Steve Kelly pointed out that the £25 million would therefore be spent in the Championship and it would go further than £100 million would in the Premier League um, suggesting that we'd end up with a lot of players with white penalties if we had £100 million in the Premier League so it's not quite the no-brainer that it appears to be however he still does agree he agrees that Danny should stay at Burnley. It's a really interesting debate, and we'll, we'll come to the others on the panel on this. James, if you, if you were Danny Ings, what would you be thinking at this stage of the season with 17 goals already for Burnley this season and top of the league at Christmas, but stories in the papers linking you to Liverpool? What, what would your reaction be if you were Danny Ings? Um, I think you'd, you'd try not to, not to focus on it, really. Because um, it's, it's just a distraction, I think. I think he's... Uh... He'd, he'd probably sort of want to leave it to the club to deal with, you know, whether people are interested or not. Because at the end of the day, there's nothing you can really do as a player under contract about that. It's it's up to the club, obviously, if they get an offer to make a decision what they do. Um, so I'd just be trying to concentrate on my game, I think, and uh, and you know, keep keep scoring goals. It's all hypothetical, really, when, when we talk about things like this. I mean, I'm sure. Now he'd say he's very happy at the club and he'd come out with all the platitudes really that football's come out with. But if there was an offer on the table, then it would be totally different. And um, we have had a couple of comments actually on Danny Ains from, from listeners. If you are listening, please get in touch, use the, the chat room, or if you're listening through Twitter, use the hashtag NNMPod and we'll relate your comments. Um, Roger says Ains has spent two seasons injured and he won't want to miss much more sat on a bench if you've got an team and we'll still be able to get a similar amount if he goes in the summer instead. That's a fair point. And Gank says he needs to stay with us for a couple more years for the sake of his development um, I think they're both excellent excellent points and something that's just happened actually in the under 21 game against Bolton at Turf Moor Cameron Harrison has just put us into the lead in the cup um, Nathan Rogers, do you think Danny Ings will still be at Burnley after the January transfer window closes then? I 100% think he will be um, I think I mean, I might be getting way ahead of myself, but if you think, you know, if Burnley went on to win the title, you know, like, why would why would Danny Ings want to leave that team? You know, he could then potentially become a hero at the club, you know? Like, why would he want to leave something that he's built and worked hard for? He's bought into the he's bought into Sean Dice's regime and, you know, thoughts. Like, why would he want to just up and leave to sit on a bench be, behind you know, two or three of the best strikers in you know in the Premier League at the moment at Liverpool. I don't. Uh, I think it's you know no question he'll definitely be here in January. So well, I hope you're right. I certainly wish I was as confident as you on that point. <laughs> what about you, Ian? <laughs> I don't well, too much about being a bit older, but you've you've seen players come and go. So there's it's yeah, and again, I'm... at some point. I'm going to repeat my kind of, uh, I'll keep on my theme of being slightly cynical. You know, he's from Southampton. He's not from Burnley. He's um, a young lad who's on a hot streak. And we all know that, you know, one injury can change everything. You know, 
I don't think there'll be a bid from a club like Liverpool. I don't see what they get from buying somebody like Ings. Um, but if there was, I couldn't see why he wouldn't seriously consider you know, doubling or trebling his wages overnight and uh, even getting not from his perspective. So, you know, I really hope that that doesn't come in. I don't think it will. I, I can't see a club like Liverpool coming in for him. But if he does, then, you know, my sense would be he's got to seriously consider it, surely. If, if we talk about Liverpool, they're obviously at the top of the Premier League at the moment and still a club with a lot of history, although they haven't won a lot in recent years, apart from the European Cup, of course. Mm. I, I'm sure it would be a decision that he would have to make. Um, Chris, just on the point of transfers, we've had someone asking about um, Billy Mackay, who apparently we've been linked with. It's put you on the spot a little bit. Is that anything you've heard about? No, no. I mean, I've seen the stories today. Uh, obviously, I think Sky have run uh, a bit of speculation, saying that basically after championships chasing him. Uh, I've neither, uh, with our Christmas deadlines and this, that and the other, I've not spoken to anyone uh, sort of you know, at the club. I've not spoken to the manager or the chief exec or anyone uh, anyone like that. So uh, I can't... Uh, I mean, they, they, very often they, they wouldn't even uh, sort of contemplate speaking on, uh, on on speculation in any case. So uh, it's one to keep an eye on, but uh, it seems to be a queue of clubs uh, chasing him, really. There were a couple of players that we were obviously quite close to signing before the loan window closed. Do you think we'll be revisiting any of those once the January transfer window opens? Craig Davies was one that came up quite a lot, and Ashley Barnes as well. We we're obviously linked with in the summer. Yeah, I mean, we. Uh, I mean, I, I believe both Davies and Keogh were quite disappointed. Uh, you know, their clubs didn't sanction moves to Burnley. Uh, I mean, they certainly. Uh, about the Bolton scenario, I think Bolton considered you know, Burnley to be a promotion rival. They didn't, you know, they didn't want him coming here and boosting us when they feel they can sort of claw Burnley back and uh, and try and get into those playoff places. You know, Millwall, I think just sheer uh, lack of lack of bodies. You know, I think they were struggling uh, struggling down there in terms of uh, centre forward options, and uh, he, he banked the other one that was floated as a free agent. I believe they spoke. Uh, at some stage, but uh, he seemed to be hawking himself round, and he's and he's ended up uh, joining his his old boss uh, Mick McCarthy at, at Ipswich. But uh, I mean, interesting to see that. I mean, the Ipswich are sort of saying that he's not going to be able to, uh, he's not going to be sort of fit enough to be involved in a squad until their cup tie. So sort of clamour for him to arrive in in December. Even if he had, he would, you know, Burnley wouldn't have been able to use him. But the sort of one I've heard more on is is Guidetti. Obviously, he was at Burnley three years ago. He's uh, had this sort of virus that set him back after that fabulous uh, loan spell at Feyenoord. Uh, I believe your City sort of want him to come out somewhere relatively close where they can keep an eye on him. You know, it's it's an excellent standard, obviously, top of the championship. He wouldn't be guaranteed a start so that he could sort of ease his way you know, back into things. And uh, you know it, it appears to be a very good option for uh, for both parties. So uh, again, you know another one we'll uh, we'll keep tabs on. Young players from the Premier League do seem to be the way to go if we are going to look at loans. Just just because not being able to guarantee starts is going to put senior players off. I read someone online um, pointing out that Kevin Phillips was after moving the, the January transfer window because he's not getting enough games at the moment in the Premier League and. Although I'd love to see someone like Phillips on the bench, and I don't think there's anyone better really, uh, uh, coming on and trying to snatch a goal. It's unrealistic, I would suggest, to have a player like Phillips willing to come all the way to Burnley and sit on the bench and get on for 10 minutes every now and again. So, yeah, I think a player like Gadetti could be a very, very interesting option. And hopefully, hopefully, we'll see someone come in in the window because it could make all the difference. Um, We've had another couple of comments that we'll go through, actually, before we move on to something else. There's no quiz this week, but I do have a game prepared. So hopefully this is going to go down pretty well, because I think it'll be a bit of fun. Um, Ganks was referring back to, to the, the Glen Little £5 million offer that was reported in the season. Last time we were at the top of the Championship at Christmas, we turned over about £5 million from City. I think Southampton 
were interested as well at that stage and he ended up walking away for nothing. Um, so, yeah, it's the dangers of keeping hold of players and with Danny Ings out of contracts at the end of next season, I think is potential for not getting our full monies without Danny Ings. It's one keep on Danny Ings. Anyway, this game I've got, it is nearly Christmas, so I thought we'd do a Christmas-related game. I couldn't think of a Christmas-related quiz question. I was thinking um, something to do with games on Christmas Day or Christmas fixtures, and it, it all sounded a bit complicated, and I couldn't be bothered doing all the research it was going to take. So I've stolen an idea from um, Dan Walker, the guy of Football Focus. You know he does these these teams where you do puns for player names, and I thought it'd be quite yeah. fun to try and do a Burnley one with Christmas um, Christmas links. So <laughs> we'll throw this one open to, to all the panel and anyone listening. Um, your Burnley Christmas 11. So you could have someone like Gift Rap, Noel Williams, for instance. <laughs> off the top of my head, I've, got, is... I've got one. I've got one. Go on, I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll get this one out of the way early doors. It's going to be Michael Plumdorf, isn't it? So. <laughs> I'm expecting some groaners. <laughs> so if you're listening through Twitter, please do um, join in and we'll, we'll get put the, put the question up on, on Twitter as well and try and get some really good answers. And it should be a, a good few minutes. The question is, um, you know, Burnley Christmas 11. So anything Christmas related that you can think of. Um, we'll open this up to the panel. James, can you think of any putting you on the spot a little bit? Give us your best puns. Oh, um, quite tough, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> you could go for hair and trimmings. No, it's you've got stock and ings for a starter. Yeah, you? you've got you've got Brian Stocking, I guess. Haven't you? <laughs> the headline writer's dream: Brian Stock and Danny Ings in the same squad. Because the, the, the club have used that on the. The Christmas advertisements, uh, like get something for your stockings. How about Jason Gilchrist? Oh, <laughs> because of course Christmas is all about Jesus, kids. <laughs> We've had a couple on the comments already. Get your thinking caps on because there should be some really, really good ones coming in. We've had, <laughs> had Ganks comes in with Rudolph the Red Nose Deary. <laughs> Really work very well, and Trevor Feast of Stephen. Uh, very good, very good. <laughs> Which I think is um, a little bit cleverer than the ones I was expecting. What about you, Nathan? Can you give us a, a Burnley Christmas player? Oh, I tell you, if my friends are listening, they know I'm terrible with puns. So <laughs> might be best to keep your mouth shut. But I'm trying to think back. I can't think of absolutely any. <laughs> Useless. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a poor dude there. We should have picked a, a panel today on pun ability. <laughs> what about you, Ian? Have you got a, a Christmas player for us? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I can do anything else after my Jason Gilchrist. I'm, I'm struggling after that. <laughs> I'm going to keep thinking about it. <laughs> there must be some more answers out there. Surely, surely someone else on the panel can chip in. I've got a, a terrible one. Christmas Eagles. Oh dear. Uh, you could do any Chris with that, of course. Yeah, Christmas yeah. McCann. Anything you want. We're not allowed to mention Chris, are we? <laughs> a lot of people irate at me all day for speaking to him, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, what happened there? What, what was that all about? Oh, I've done a piece with him for uh, Friday's paper ahead of the Wigan game, and uh, yeah, I appear to have offended some Burnley fans, so. <laughs> That seems to happen quite a lot, doesn't it? Burnley fans seem to get really frustrated when something goes in the paper that's not strictly related to the, the team as it is, even though I'm always interested to hear about former players and what they've... Yeah, I did get some stick about writing about Jay Rodriguez when he played for England because he didn't play for Burnley anymore until you <laughs> sort of remind people that he, was, he is from Burnley. <laughs> it's the Burnley Express. Yeah. How about uh, five gold rings? That is brilliant. Five gold <laughs> rings. I was going to sing it, but I decided I've not to. I've got to say I'm a little bit res- 
disappointed with the the response so far. I thought there was going to be more more guesses through Twitter. We've had one from J Pickup Nine who's gone with my gift wrap Noel Williams idea, and he points out that you could have gifted Noel Williams. Um, which I think is just worse than the one I came up with. That's <laughs> not very good. My one Jack Cork in the Bucks fizz. <laughs> which is that's, terrible. That's, <laughs> that's not great. It's really not great. Uh, um, what about Frank Frank Sinclair and Murr? That's appalling. I apologise to anyone who's listening for that one. I don't understand where everyone what where everyone is. I thought this would take fire on Twitter. It's, it's not <laughs> we might have to we might have to come back to this question a little bit later because it's it's gone You're a hurting our heads. Than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think we have very good players for puns at the moment, do we? John not Francis Sense. No, John Francis sense. That works for me. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> there was a, a Sunderland goalkeeper a long time ago, wasn't there, called Thomas Murrow, which is almost Murr, but it's extremely, extremely tenuous. <laughs> we were doing some of these in the office the other day, and there were some really good ones. There was um, the Barnsley fullback, I think, called Wiseman. Good. But yeah, maybe it's just Burnley's the, the wrong club to do it. So <laughs> I'm coming in, but I've already lost faith in this game. I thought it was going to be so good and it's it's disappointing. So yeah, we'll come back to it later. Keep your answers coming in. We're looking for puns related to Burnley players and Christmas because it is nearly Christmas. Um, but we will move on now and look ahead to the, the Christmas schedule. One of the things that always comes up at this time of year is speculating over whether a winter break would help England in the summer tournaments or not. Um, but surely we're all too much fans, too big fans of the, the festive schedule, Boxing Day f- fixtures and New Year's Day fixtures when you're all hungover. Surely that's the best way to go forward. So we'll throw this one out to the panel. We'll start with you, Nathan. What do you think of a potential winter break or do you like the, the, the Christmas schedule? Uh, yeah, I, I like the Christmas schedule. It, it it kind of adds in with the kind of Christmas time of the year, with it all being a a bit manic and a bit crazy, and everyone's seeing everybody. And, and I I kind of like how packed it is. Um, you know, it fits in with people being off work as well. I, I think I'm probably thinking about it a bit bit bigger than like a bit more outside the big picture. But I, I don't I don't I don't particularly like the thought of a winter break. I think it'd spoil a lot of teams' momentum. You know, I think personally. If Burnley had a winter break, you know, would it spoil momentum that we've got? Um, so I, I, I like the I like that we don't have a winter break. It's a really good point about momentum, actually. It'll be interesting to see teams like Derby, you've got so many wins on the spin. Mm. When you're playing every two or three days, it's when you want to play all the time and keep it going. Keep it going. Ian, what about you? Do you are you a fan of the Christmas schedule or would you like to see a bit of a break just to help the England team? Yeah, I mean, I, my, I mean, my sense, I think, is, you know, I love the Christmas schedule. I love the Boxing Day games, the, the New Year's games, and everything. I think it's just such a, a part of English football. Um, and you know, with the current kind of uh, club versus country controversy, I, I can't ever see um, something things being shifted just for uh, just to help the England team, unfortunately. But uh, I can't see that being a decision that's ever made by the clubs. But uh, no, I love it. I think we should definitely keep it. It's, I suppose it's a little bit different journalist to fans, Chris. You must be a bit sick of <laughs> yomping around the country at this time of year. I bet you're glad we got someone like Yeovil. Yeah, when I, when I was younger, I used to love getting out of the house on Boxing Day and watching a game of football. And uh, nowadays, sort of Boxing Day game, the, the New Year's Day game in particular, when you have a you know, bad, a heavy New Year's Eve or something like that, used to, used to uh, be an absolute killer. But uh, no, I, I, I think, I can understand this list now, but I think I'm, uh, I'm all for uh, having that couple of weeks break. I think it would have done Burnley no end of good this time. You know, they've sort of uh, used those international breaks to great effect so far. 
you know, really gone hard into them, used the rest wisely in between and uh, and come out firing the other side. So there's no breaks now whatsoever till uh, till March. And it's going to be a one hell of a slog, sort of, uh, you know, looking at that with the FA Cup thrown in as well. So uh, I can see it being something that the, uh, the, the the FA committee sort of looking forward may uh, may implement. But, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see on that one. I think it's absolutely one of these things that committees get together and talk about and nothing happens just because mm. it would be too much effort to change it. But it's a good point that we have got all the way through to the end of the season with no real breaks now. So I suppose a lot of people will be kind of hoping that we go out at the FA Cup, which isn't a nice thing to say, but concentrating on the league is a, a cliche for a reason. Um, James Bird, with the, the the little unbeaten run that we're on at the minute, do you think it will help that we've got all these games coming and fast at the moment or well the fact that we've got just more I mean, it's difficult at this time of year with playing every two three days um, I don't think it'll be any different to normal to be honest I think uh, we've got a good side that are in in good shape and uh, I don't think the, the number of games in a, in a small time will adversely affect them um, obviously I think the, the difficult thing is to just kind of stay focused with all the other stuff that'll be going on around around the period as well. I suppose it is this time of year that the, the league tables really take shape. We've played so many games in just a, a short space. It's really easy for teams to jump quite a long way up the league. So it'll be fascinating to see which teams have a good Christmas, which ones don't. Traditionally, Burnley aren't great at Christmas, but December's been okay so far. So worth keeping an eye on. Let's go back to our game. Rather than a quiz today, there's no quiz, but we have got a game. We're doing a Burnley festive 11. Um, keep your answers coming in using the hashtag NNMPod or reply to us on Twitter and we'll read these out. Basically, any Burnley player that you can link to um, anything Christmas-related, really. We've had a couple of suggestions in. I think this is the best one so far, actually. Jimmy McElroy, David City. Jimmy McElroyal, David C. It'd help if I could speak. I've <laughs> <laughs> the best ones up on James Bird on our little chat room that we've probably doing this said by a nobleman. I think there was an expert story involving nobleman. Nobleman, I think. I'm not convinced by that. Um, right. A couple silent on Kitely, actually. Silent, silent Kitely, yeah. Uh, Kitely would be a good one to go with. You could have all, all holy Kitely. Um, while shepherds watch their flocks by kitely, <laughs> bit of a mouthful that one. <laughs> How about uh, good good King Wenslash, a good King Stanislas? That's a bit of a tenuous one, but yeah, there's, Stan- there's something on Twitter actually. Um... Danny Stuffings. How about that one? <laughs> <laughs> what about Danny Pigs in Danny Pings in blankets? <laughs> Doesn't even work, not even slightly. We had one on the chat from um, Jay Pickup. He says, "Glen, little town of Bethlehem." Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. There's a, a lot coming in with the um, with the the hymns at the moment. I think hymns are a good way to go. I'm dreaming of a Winston White Christmas. Love it. <laughs> Dean Morley Christmas Carol. <laughs> Marley and Marley and Marley. Yeah, Marley and Marley. <laughs> Do keep your answers coming in and we'll, we'll do some more. Oh, this is a good one, actually. We've had one in from Logan the Late on Twitter. He says, Frankincense Sinclair. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I like the ones where you have to think about them a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit disappointed with the, the response from Burnley fans. I think everyone's just brain switched off for the Christmas period. Now everyone's finished working and just given up. Um, the last thing, actually, we'll come to James Bird. He's got some stats on our December form, something I mentioned just recently. What have you got for us there? Um, yeah, I was sent a, a little while ago by uh, Chris Wood. Um, who's on Twitter, don't know his Twitter handle, but um, thanks to him, obviously, for putting this together. Um, what our form came in December in the 1st of January, um, since the promotion, the year before the promotion season. Um, the year before promotion season, we had a 1.5 points per game, and that, that's probably about the averages. I mean, that was what last season was. 
uh, last season. We scored 12 goals, conceded nine, and gained 15 points. Um, lost three times, which obviously would be a considerably more than we've managed to do so far this season. Um, but we also won four and uh, drew three, which I don't think would be the worst period. That's still obviously see, I think, in the top six. Um, but our best form actually in the last few years was our under Eddie Howe, where we, we averaged two points per game for that period, um, scoring 12 goals and only conceding four. That's um, surprising, really. It's it's funny how you get this these ideas into your head about Burnley having rubbish Christmas periods and always being bad in December. But, yeah, the stats don't seem to back that up. It's always interesting. Of course, stats can be twisted and you can prove whatever you want with stats sometimes. But always interesting to have a look at. We are generally fans of our stats at Northern Ever. So if you have got any good statistics, feel free to chuck them our way because we, we do enjoy stuff like that. The final thing that we want to do on tonight's podcast before we do uh, wrap things up for Christmas, actually, it'll be after Christmas the next time we are back, is the second part of our Lee Who's interview went live on the site today. Um, I just want to go through the panel, really, and, and I know you've all had a chance to look through it, just see what everyone thinks. Um one of the main things that was was in today's article was talk of ticket prices and the match day atmosphere at Turf Moor, which I know has been a, a source of um, anger, frustration, various adjectives you could use for that. But yeah, it gets people going. Um, who's actually said that he'd, he'd like to see a bit of the razzmatazz from American sports, pointing out that fans get to the games a lot earlier. It's a, a cultural thing, really, that you, you get to the game and you have some drinks with your mates before you go on to the match. So it'd be interesting trying to get people to turf more a bit early, but he understands that people like to go to the pub and then turn up to the turf a couple of minutes before kickoff. Um, yeah, I do need to thank Adam for transcribing that interview because I was never going to get round to it. Um, Ian, we'll start with you then. What did you make of the Who's interview? Have you got any specific... Thoughts on some of the things he's yeah. I think just to your point on, um, you know, I, I got to the US quite a bit with work and um, I got to, you know, American football and, bat- and baseball, etc. And it is, it, it's cultural norms, you know. I mean, it, it's right that people turn up hours before a game and that is a cultural norm in the US. But equally, I go to the Burnley League with my dad every time I go to a game. And I have done for years and years and years. I might not do now that they seem to have lost their Sky subscription. but um, And that's my that's my norm. And it takes a heck of a lot for people to shift their norms. It really does. I mean, you know, in any line of business you look at, to get people to change what they've been doing for years is a huge ask. So I think this idea of, you know, putting stuff on at the ground, et cetera, is, is great. I haven't tried the fans bar yet. But I think it's a, it's a great idea to try it. But... I don't think you should expect too much too soon because I think people do have their routines that they like to go through. You're absolutely right. And that's one of the things Lee said. He said he understands that it's 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 difficult to get people out of these routines that they've, they've done for all their lives. But the fans bar is a start. And he said mm. that if, if people are going to want to drink before the games, they might as well do it. At a, and I think the fans bar is comparable prices to um, places like the... the Part view over the road and anywhere in town so yeah mm. certainly measures are being brought in by the club to try and get things to change but it, it will certainly be a gradual thing um nathan did you have a chance to look through the interview earlier today what what, what do you, you make of some of the comments from lee who's on site yeah um i managed to get through it i think i i've spent i spent two years on an internship in america so i've seen all i've kind of experienced the whole i kind of got focused on that point that he made and he wanted to bring that and I I, I strongly disagree I think it, it sh- shouldn't be brought you know you shouldn't try and make it where we get to the turf you know three hours before and you know I just don't think it works it's not that you know it's football isn't like that it's not a communal sport kind of thing you know it's not like a I don't know how to get my words across but you know like people have the rituals like you know well, they wake up a certain time, they'll watch a certain amount of soccer AM, they'll watch, you know, a bit of the first half of the main twelve o'clock game before they go to the pub. Um and I don't I don't think he should me- try and mess with that and try and pull people to the ground. Um I kinda of got a bit focused on that, but I think I then further read down the ticket prices and, and I, I was actually hoping to hear more of you guys' thoughts on the ticket prices of all that. 
we did the ticket price in quite some detail, but um, last week, but on the podcast. But essentially, mm. his point is that um, you have to make sure the season ticket holders get value first and foremost because they're the ones yeah. making the commitment. And um, one of the things that he said to me, he asked me actually what I thought was a fair price, and I said twenty quid. I think twenty quid is a fair price. And he pointed out that the flexi tickets that they've had this season, if you're willing to commit to. I think the six game package you're getting tickets for just over 20 quid it's 20 pound 40 or 20 pound 80 yeah. or something so you can get a 20 pound ticket but you need to commit for a few games and that's what the club's looking for they're looking for fans to make that small commitment and then they'll mm. get the value from it ian come back to you on the ticket prices yeah just just a thought actually i know i've had one go already but the um you know, I've uh, last last five, six, seven seasons I had um, season tickets to the rugby down here at the London Irish at Reading's ground, and um, one of the reasons that I didn't renew this year was that mates of mine who uh, uh, previously had season tickets um, had given up on those, and then we're getting tickets for ten pounds and fifteen pounds on special promotions. They were getting them off Groupon. Um, they were you know, getting off friends who worked in the in the stadium or something. And it just really hacked me off. You know, I'd invested up front. I paid my 300 quid or whatever it was at the start of the season. And people were getting in for cheaper than me um, for almost every game. And that just gave, made me give up my season ticket. So, you know, I think it's just a, a relevant example of where you can really undermine a, a loyal kind of core fan base by doing too much and in terms of special promotions. Hmm. I think that's a very good point and we do hear quite often from season ticket holders who are unhappy at the, the various promotions that the club does to try and get walk-ons in and it's all about finding the balance it's not very really exciting to, to talk about but it's just the way it is you have to try and make sure you're pleasing as many people as possible although you're not going to make everyone happy um, at yeah. once Chris if we can just come to you on this what, what have your dealings been like with Burnley's Chief Executive what, what do you make of him? Uh, I mean to be honest uh, my main dealings with him have been focused on sort of managerial changeovers uh, sort of pushing transfers through on deadline day that sort of thing where he's been uh, well extremely helpful uh, you know particularly with the Michael Kitely uh, one back in uh, back in August uh, you know the start of September when the window closed uh, always amenable always accessible and uh, as you say that we in terms of ticket prices, I mean, it's, the sport pages don't tend to to delve too deeply into that side of things. But uh, ultimately, I think season ticket prices have to be lower, and then you can start fiddling around with uh, with, with various offers. You have to look after the people who are prepared to uh, to you know to to say right, well, I'm I'm, I'm going to watch for the entire nine months. I'm going to have my twenty three home games, and uh, and you know I'm, I'm committing to those. I'm paying for every one of them. And uh, you've got to look after those. You say you can't sort of disenfranchise those with uh, with special offers for uh, you know bring a mate on for 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 free and this that and the other. And uh, you know, you've got to look after your season ticket holders. And uh, so just lower prices and, and none of these branding uh, brackets for me. You know, I think a lot of Burnley fans are. Well, what, what what am I paying for this game? I have no idea what I'm paying for this game. You know, it's making a set price. And uh, I'm sure, sort of like the Blackpool crowd was probably down from what it would have been because it was a gold band. I think the Leeds game is going to be a gold band. And you know, I think maybe uh, you, you're restricting your away supporter as well to that extent. I mean, I know Blackpool haven't had the best time of things uh, last few weeks or so, but I, I was disappointed with their uh, travelling support Saturday. So uh, maybe that's a, a point for the away fans as well. Um, absolutely, and just on, on the away fans, we had Chris Walker, a Blackpool fan, on the podcast last week, and he said a lot of Blackpool fans have been put off by the fact that it was so expensive to come to the turf. And obviously, um, speak about this quite regularly, but Turf Moor isn't the most inviting place for away fans, and Burnley isn't necessarily the sort of place that you'd want to go to on a Saturday afternoon. Um, just before we wrap up for the show, we have got a couple more Burnley Christmas 11 I should have really come up with a snappier name for this before I started trying to do it on the podcast. But we've had a couple in from people on Twitter. Logan the Lates had another go. He says season's greetings, which is similar to stockings and all that sort of thing. And um, 
Daniel Bentley has had a go as well with Glenn Little. He says, Glenn Little Donkey, which I think is extremely harsh because he was an excellent player. And finally, <laughs> one from Rich Hartley, Jason Sackle, which is very, very poor. Disappointing <laughs> all round. Very, very disappointed with the efforts. And uh, we might have to have another go at this next week, actually. So keep your thinking caps on. <laughs> Try and do this again in the future. Um, but apart from that, yeah, it's it's been an excellent, excellent podcast tonight. Thanks to everyone who's joined in on the comments. Thanks to my panel today, Chris Borden, Ian Creamer, his first time on the Northern Ever podcast, Nathan Roger, Nathan Rogers even, and James Bird. Um, and all that's left for us to do really is to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Hopefully you all have an excellent time. Hopefully Santa will bring you everything you put on your Christmas list as long as you've been good boys and girls. We'll be back on Boxing Day with No Name Never Live for Middlesbrough away. Hopefully Burley will still be top of the league when we are back on the podcast next Monday. So thanks a lot for listening. Merry Christmas and we will see you again soon. Bye. Merry You've Christmas. been listening to the No Name Never podcast. For more... Visit nonanever.net and don't forget, follow us on Twitter at nonanevernet. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans.